And welcome to another episode of 360 Degrees, part of the Urban Breakdown Network. And welcome to the first show of 2024. I know 2023 kind of ended on a rough note. And uh, for those of you who follow... Just just an abrupt note. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you who follow us, I still have more episodes to post. We had a lot of... uh, you know, a, a lot of tumultuous times toward the end of the year, but hopefully for 2024, we will be back on track. Yeah, let's speak that into existence, y'all. Your girl was down bad, guys. So, but I'm, I'm feeling much better now. So, absolutely, definitely good to hear, and definitely good to have you back. And um, mm-hmm. all right, we got a lot to talk about. So, uh, let's Ooh. go. Let's go ahead and get started. Oh, so much going on, especially at the end of the year. But um, on a positive note, 2024 has given us the messiness that I like to see. Um, so Cat Williams, I think, has kicked in the door for 2024. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but he has. Um, and he started off his year by going to Shannon Sharp's podcast, quote unquote club Shay Shay. I think that's a weird name. Sounds like very effeminate, but whatever. I don't believe in societal gender norms. So I'm not going to say it sounds like a woman. It just sounds effeminate, I would say. Um, Anywho, uh, Shannon Sharp has a podcast and usually it's like him and Ocho Cinco talking shit. I don't, or maybe that's a different podcast. I don't know. But for we got a break and got to see somebody else. Um, Cat Williams decided to come and drop a lot of uh, great quotables I'd like to use throughout my year. Um, Fat Phase on Live was my favorite. Um, you have an unnatural allegiance to losers, and that's not like you. Uh, <laughs> Diddy likes the party, and sometimes you got to tell him no. You got to tell him no. Um, so yeah, it's definitely has gone viral. And essentially, Cat Williams was talking about he accused Steve Harvey of trying to steal Bernie's part in Ocean's Eleven. He said yeah. that he 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 said that uh, Steve Harvey has been publicly cited as saying he did not want to be a movie star. And he was like, that's bullshit. But nobody who wants to cast like <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, basically, um, who who talks crazy as fuck with that country ass accent, who wants to cast him um, for any type of movies anyway. Um, then he talked about his man unit from the Apollo days, which makes sense because that shit was always way too perfect. And um, and the cardinal sin amongst all of them is that they steal jokes. Um, yeah, he was like, that's why Steve stopped doing stand-up because he's not funny. He was stealing jokes and that's what it is. Same thing with Cedric the Entertainer. Um, he said Cedric doesn't have any stand-up specials on Netflix or Tubi. Um, so Shannon was like, hey, like, wh- like what's your problem with Ced? Because, you know, Ced's kind of like a teddy bear. Like, he's pretty lovable and likable um, overall. And um, Shannon was just like, 
in Kat's response to that was like, the world doesn't like him. Why isn't his material on Tubi or Netflix? Like, it's nowhere. Um, so yeah. Uh he talked about he talked shit about phase on love. Uh. <sighs> Phase on love is just so unlikable. Like every time he I really is, he's a fucking hater, and and that's and that's what um Cat was saying about the natural allegiance <laughs> to losers. Phase on was in that group when he was referring to that. He also said that uh Hollywood Hollywood has um a tendency to pay you for things to forget to act like they never happened. And that the starter package for your Hollywood career, they get you a light-skinned, funny-faced wife. And so while he didn't say who he was talking about, he was like, that could literally apply to seven people right now. (laughs) (laughs) I died. I tackled that whole interview because Cat Williams, the delivery was hilarious. Like what he was saying. I mean, I started squinting a little bit um, at some of his stuff. Um, but overall, I do think he was telling the truth. Like, I was looking at him a little side-eyed on some of his claims, but the joke stealing is documented. Um, the man unit is obviously documented with Steve Harvey. Um, yeah. I mean, Steve Harvey just looks like a, a, a his whole demeanor and everything he's definitely a backbiter like he's definitely somebody who the over ambitious type you know who you're, you know he reminds me of and i know there's going to be a weird reference he reminds me of like hulk hogan like his backstage politics like just mm-hmm. trying to fuck people over to keep himself relevant like steve harvey has that vibe to me so when you know cat i mean you know cat williams saying that i'm just like yeah okay i definitely see that like I, everybody's not... resp- nobody called him an outright liar he definitely um talked shit about tiffany haddish which is true um tiffany always like she's never done stand-up she tried to do stand-up and got so drunk that nobody wanted to hear anything she had to say stand-up is hard i you know i i i got a friend of mine who does uh stand-up and um his name is uh, Andy Forrester. He used to go by a uh, big A and he's, you know, like I see him in pictures with like, uh, like with Jimmy Walker. I mean, you know, he's actually pretty good. You know, I, I, I was messing with him. I was like, cause he cut an album, but um, he's actually an artist, an excellent artist is that. So he was, uh, so I'm like, where's the CD? I'm like, I don't want to buy it digitally like a schmuck. I want, I want the CD so I can put it in my CD book. And the CD was held up because he was still working on the album art. <laughs> so I'm like, well, great. I got to watch it on digital like some like some schmuck. <laughs> but I joked with him one time. I was like, you know, the fact that you could tell jokes and pay the rent. And that's that's a that's a big yeah. deal. If I did yeah. that, I'd be homeless. If I that's had to. I always say like I was like, you know, like, um, you know, like my husband and I have these conversations. We're like, what if our kid wants to join the circus or something like that? You know, something ridiculous. Yeah. Something you didn't necessarily see for them. And I was like, look, you can I honestly don't care. Like life is too short. And I'm sure you'll come back to this because I know you're going to talk about Gen Z. Uh-huh. Um, But I honestly think like as long as you can sustain whatever your lifestyle is, 
then you should do what what works for you. So if that means joining the circus, if that means being not to compare the two, obviously, but like if that means joining the circus or being an artist and you're able to keep your lights on with that and not ask anybody for for help because you're doing what you need to do, hey, more power to you. And 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 um and Andy, Andy travels the country like he was in um a few weeks ago, he was in Utah of all places. I'm like, I didn't know they had comedy in Utah. You know, they they do corporate gigs. They do yeah. corporate gigs, you know, so I can see that. And so good for him. Um but I mean, you know, there are some people who were just like I've watched Tracy Morgan stand up and I've watched Mike Epps stand up and they and they just did not really make me laugh like I, you, I i think i've watched like every deal hugely special that there is i love the um, i don't think he's funny but cat williams likes him so he said no deal hugely slander will be tolerated that was the only king of comedy he did not talk shit about <laughs> so that goes to show though like he's not a hater like I, cat williams is not just like a hater just hating on whoever he yeah. deems as a threat or as competition to him um Interestingly enough, I thought um, Mark Curry has been in the industry for a long time. He accused Steve of stealing his whole shit, like with from hanging with Mr. Cooper because he was a teacher on that show. But um, I saw Mark Cooper, I think last year or the year before. That dude really is funny, though. I like I don't know, like we got some discount tickets. And I was not expecting him to be that funny. I was engaged the whole time and I laughed multiple times. He is funny. Mark Cooper. I mean, yeah, Mark. Well, Mark Curry. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about I, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my husband hated that show too. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Really? Yeah, he hated that show because I think um, he remembers it differently than I do. But basically he was saying like the dude always like fuck, like he's going in the right direction and some shit fucks up at the end or he messes himself up or something uh-huh. so i was like i don't know about that but whatever um so i think because he he didn't like the show he was also expecting him not to be funny but he enjoyed enjoyed his stand-up too yeah mark curry is is really really funny stand-up wise there are some people who are just much better in movies and tv than they yeah. are on stand up, so that to me, to from my in my opinion, that's Tiffany Haddish, that's um Tracy Morgan. I love them on 30 Rock. Um, that's uh definitely Mike Epps, although he had a TV show on Netflix with him, Wanda Sykes, and all them. That show was garbage, mm. but I usually like Mike Epps in the especially when he was in the, the Friday movies, yeah, for sure. He, he was awesome in those, and um, but there are some people, I mean, and everybody has their own idea of what's funny yeah you know I, i've never seen mark curry do stand up but you know it's just like i don't know it's it's hard like if somebody is just better in the movies and tv like somebody like tiffany haddish like i'm not gonna knock them for that you know but yeah. comedy is it's an art you know, it's it's something that you got to work at your timing and reading the crowd. And, you know, everybody can't be freestyle like Patrice O'Neill got rest his soul. Patrice O'Neill will come out there and just make the crowd mad and then just say something like I like to I like to lose the crowd and see if I can get them back. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, you know, um, there's a there's an, um, a comic by the name of Ali Sadiq. 
I've heard him before. Yeah. Yes, I've, I think I've put his content in our group chat. And he is... I remember, like, now, Cat Williams did not... I think there was a misunderstanding there. I mm -hmm. hope that Cat Williams and Ali can maybe work together in the future because he really is a great... He's one... He's a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. And then he really sets it up for you. So you laugh at the end. And um, one thing in the comments like of the Shannon Sharp clip that I watched is the people who had watched the Ali Sadiq specials were just like, no, like, uh, like it, it sounded personal. Cause basically like Ali Sadiq says something to the effect of like, I didn't get put on stage. Um, but Cat Williams still paid him for his time. Now, one thing that has come out from this is that Cat Williams gives out a lot of money to people. Like he is about equitable pay. Mm -hmm. Um, and even when people show up and they're not able to do their job, he will still pay them. Um, and so that's why I have hope that they can reconcile because I'm just like, this just all sounds like a misunderstanding. But one one thing in the um, comments that really resonated with me, they were like, man, Ali Sadiq told a story about his sister passing away and still made it funny. That shit was wild as fuck. And it was because I watched that special and I remember looking at it initially and saying like, oh, this sounds heavy. Like, I don't want to watch this right now. Um, yeah. But I mean, he did cry at one point. So it was heavy. It did get heavy. Um, but after you cried it off, then you laugh. Like after you cried with him, you laugh. So like Ali Sadiq is really talented um, and no, he's not like known all over the world yet, but I, I could see that changing very easily for him in the next like three or five years. I, I'm not saying I'm I'm a professional comedian, but at my at my mom's funeral, I told a funny story, and it actually made people laugh about my mom, and where I get my sense of humor from about you know with my mom, and because you know my niece was up there and everybody's up there and everybody was just like you know was, was really sad. And I was like, mom wouldn't want people to be sad. And I remember the story about my mom. So I told it and everybody laughed. They got a good laugh out of it. Yeah. So, you know, and and it was, it was, we. I guess it was cathartic. I, I don't know. I, I, I mispronounced that word. No, you because, said it. Yeah, cathartic. Actually. Because I, you know, I was telling my, uh, telling my friend, I was telling her, you know, when I found out that my mom died, right, I had just got back from, helping my sister put her in hospice. And, and what I mean by helping my sister put her in hospice means that she did all the work and I just I just nodded in agreement. She's good at that sort of stuff. I'm just like, yeah, that's good, <laughs> you know? And I had just gotten back from Atlanta and then I just got back to work and then I got the text that my mom died. So I was home for a whole week, you know, didn't cry once. Got on the plane, went home, didn't cry. I didn't cry until I got to the funeral. And of course, seeing her in the coffin, it just like she's not coming back. Yeah, no. yeah, like that. And I know exactly what you're saying. Um, when my, it was crazy. Is like we went to Ghana a year ago, and I legit held out hope that there was some misunderstanding that my father wasn't actually gone. And and what's even crazier is I I had gone to his gravesite like maybe the day before. 
-hmm. but in my mind somebody else was buried in there so I was like well maybe it's still like maybe there's still hope (laughs) like but I remember breaking down crying when I got to his house because I was like if I'm at his house and he's not greeting me he's really gone like that's like it's it's just weird how the grief just hits you and how you'll make like all these things connect in your head but like you have to see to to know for certain you know you have to see for yourself to know for certain so yeah like when i was at the funeral i'm like i i had to i had to i couldn't just go in the sad mode i had to tell a joke i had to do something funny because my mom was always uh you know you know, when people say, you know, people say stuff like, oh, she loved to laugh. My mom actually did love to laugh and then to make other people laugh. So, you know, and I get, I, I always joke, I said, and I said this before I told the story, I'm like, I get my sense of humor from my mom and I get my dark cynicism from my dad. <laughs> so, which is actually pretty true. I was just talking to him this morning. So, um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I I can understand about Ali, you know, wanting to tell, you know, something about his sister, you know, keep her memory alive, and you know, and maybe she was the type of person who loved to laugh as well, and that maybe she would appreciate, you know, just, you know, just being remembered in that way, you know. Yeah. So I, I I definitely get it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like all the clapbacks, all the responses that Cat Williams got pretty much nobody called him a liar Kevin Hart takes the when we go low when they go low we go high kind of thing um who else was the target of his attacks oh Ricky Smiley too for uh his role in Friday After Next that was a Christmas one. Oh, oh oh you know what I, I'm I'm thinking of somebody completely different even the name's completely different he said Ricky Smiley yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking of like uh Flex Alexander I'm like I still owe him a, a gut punch for that homeboy from outer space nonsense that he did no I thought you were gonna say the Michael Jackson movie nothing is more blasphemous than that Oh, was he the one that was in that Michael Jackson movie? He was Michael Jackson. Oh my God! Are you? Oh Jesus! And you know whose husband that is? Who? Shanice. Really? Yes. They've oh. been a long time. Jesus! I I I love. What was that song? Um, uh, uh, I like your smile. Yeah, I love your smile. I love that song. Everybody loved that song. That's why it's so wild. Like, dang, you gotta be associated with that dude. <laughs> like, like, like him? You married him? Maybe makes me think I had a chance. <laughs> so, oh man, but no, I, I have, I have no beef with Ricky Smiley. It, it, it's Flex Alexander who I was thinking of. Okay, well, uh, Cat does, and he basically said he lied when he said that. Uh, he was supposed to be cast as Santa Claus. And he also went on to say that he would never work with Ricky Smiley unless Ricky Smiley was in a dress. And Shannon was like, why would you put that in your contract? He was like, because I believe in the best parts being for the best people. And that's what that's his lane. He always dresses like a woman. So yeah. Everybody was catching everybody was catching it. Uh so you know, I I, 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 that. I I had to look this up real quick. You know why Kevin Hart could take the high road and not have to deal with Cat Williams? 
And and this is if the internet's to be believed. I always have to preface with that, you know. Cat Williams has a net worth of $2 million as of 2024. Kevin Hart has a net worth of $450 million. So basically, Kevin Hart could buy Cat Williams' entire bloodline if he so felt like it. So I'm like, you know what? He's just like, you know what? You do what you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing Netflix movies. I've already won. So you can say what you want to about me. I could, with what he used to say in the old shows, I could buy you, sell you, and throw away the change. So Kevin Hart doesn't give a shit about Cat Williams and what he has to say. <laughs> so I, I, I'll put it like this. If I was in Kevin Hart's position, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even bother. I'd just be like, all right. He said what he said, and uh, I'm just going to go and, you know, I'm going to go to my mansion. <laughs> well, Cat Williams goes to his duplex. <laughs> no disrespect to Cat Williams. I like his comedy a lot. I, I would actually share his comedy more if he didn't use the N-word so much. Mm, okay. Okay. Fair. So that's the only reason why I don't share Cat Williams clips a lot on on Facebook and stuff like that because yeah. he, he used the N word a lot. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, I'm not strictly to... for the knockers. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to I want to make people laugh. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> so, which is a shame because he he tells some good stories. Yeah, he does. He does. Um. So yeah, uh, Tori Hart. Kevin Hart's ex-wife, his first wife, actually, um, is going on tour with him. And so no. Kevin Hart's response was, I hope it goes well. Now, what, what, what does she do? She had, She's a comic. Um, she definitely said that his jokes were going to change once uh, they divorced. <laughs> He's been with his current wife now who does fit the light-skinned lady package um, for several years, and they have a... I feel like they might have two kids together, but they definitely got one. Um, And so, yeah, she used to write his jokes for him. Hmm. And his content did change. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there, she was his ghostwriter, I think. Um, and very supportive wife. Uh. So I don't I don't think she's gonna go on tour though. I feel like she's just gonna hit up the major cities, but Cat Williams is scheduled to come to Raleigh next month. So okay. it's almost already sold out. All the seats that I want are gone. So I'ma just wait till the day of and see what's what. <laughs> just wait. Wait and see. Yeah. Um Yeah, that I just say go watch the interview because it, it's funny as hell. Um, okay, so speaking of wives, what 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 comes to mind on this on this weekend of MLK? Um, also, to I think starting this year to be known as Jonathan Majors Weekend. Um, <laughs> what comes to mind when you think of Coretta Scott King? Oh, um. Coretta Scott King is a, uh, she's an icon, you know? I mean, I look at it like this. With someone like Coretta Scott King or someone like um, 
trying to think. I'm trying to remember Malcolm X's wife's name. Like oh, Betty. I, yes, uh, Betty Shabazz. I, 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 and I, and I guess after, especially after watching the Malcolm X movie, the Spike Lee movie, you know, I never really think of him as like a, uh, a, a Barbara Bush type, where they're just mm. there, you know, or, or whatever, whatever George Bush Jr.'s wife was, where they're just like. They they're basically just like if you just took like a coat rack and put a wig on it, like that would be them. Like I see them as being very active in in shaping their husbands' uh destinies, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Facts. I think of Coretta Scott King and I think of definitely a social rights activist and a woman of Alpha Capital Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Okay. So those are like the things, the first things that come to my mind. Um, well, apparently, based on the interview that Jonathan Majors did this morning with Good Morning America, which I must say is definitely wild as fuck, because oh didn't he get fired by Disney? Like, and ABC is definitely a Disney company. So you went on the network that owned like that has the power to rehire you for what like hoping that they'll rehire you or like like what no they're not gonna rehire him they're not gonna rehire him so that's that's what's wild to me like no you don't get this exclusive interview should have taken your ass over there to Shay Shay or Club Shay Shay or some outlet that is a hundred percent you know, has the face of a black person. That's all I'm saying. They did use a black woman to interview him, but I don't I don't even know who it was. Sorry. But she asked a great question, which was funny. I'm glad that she that she asked it. But there was a clip that surfaced where Jonathan Majors was talking to his ex-white girlfriend, telling him telling her that he needs her to be more like Coretta Scott. And hold me down. Be like Coretta. And so I think he he thinks that she was a prop. I don't think he knows who she was and how accomplished she was. But um, I think he thinks that she was a prop. And that's why he was referring to her that way. And making that compa- comparison. Um, and so he tried to explain it, but it, he he mucked up the explanation so bad that I'm like, oh yeah, you definitely think she was a prop. Um, and then he he spun the block back on the reference when asked about his relationship with Megan Good because you know her, um, him and Megan Megan was with him at all of the court dates and stuff like that, right? Um, and he was like, yeah, she's my Coretta, like she's holding me down, and I'm like, this is not Bonnie and Clyde, sir, like. You want a Bonnie. That's what it sounds like. You want somebody to be with you through all your bullshit and have like struggle love or something. I don't get it, but that's what you're in, you know, if that's what you believe you're entitled to, then go for it. But she's not your Coretta Scott. Like, yeah, no, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> Please stop stop referencing people. And so um <laughs> The internet, I definitely saw in one of the blog comment section, somebody was like, they need to send, the Kings need to send him a um, cease and desist. Yeah, I mean, you would think 
that somebody with I don't know how much money Jonathan Majors has, but you would think that somebody with his resources get like a get a media coach, uh, you know? No, they don't. They really don't do those anymore. You know, like that's why I love Wendy Williams. People were so scared of her that they didn't know because they didn't know what types of questions were going to come be thrown at them. And, you know, what kind of bones she would dig up or what kind of secrets she would unearth. Right. So they they would always have, like, media coaches, like, on some Motown shit, you know? You had the dance, like, you had the dance instructor, you had your tour instructor, like, your, um, your vocal coach to help you, like, breathe during live performances because that mattered back then. And, um, yeah, you had to have a media coach somebody to prepare you for the likes of Wendy Williams. And I'm I'm just like, these people ain't even doing nothing half as, or asking nothing half as crazy as Wendy Williams. Right. You know, so I'm just like, this a little coaching can go a long way. I don't understand why y'all keep, why why he kept referencing Coretta Scott King. It's just wild as hell. You know, it, it reminded me, and you know, I, I watch a lot of goofy ass shows, but there's a, a cartoon called Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. And when they introduced uh, the judge, his judge's name was Mentok the Mind Taker. It, it's a you got to watch it. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a weird show. But um, the bailiff introduced it, and he came in and like when your broker is a broker, here's Mentok the Mind Taker. And men, when Mentok came up, he was like, when your broker is a broker, it's like my God, man, get a writer. Because <laughs> if if Jonathan Bages had a writer. Do you think the writer would be like, hey, you know what? It'd be cool if you mentioned Coretta Scott King a week before Martin Luther King Day. Like, no. Like, why would you do that? That's the dumbest thing you could do, especially in his situation. Mm-hmm. And then to just draw more negative attention to yourself. After he got he got dropped from something else he was supposed to be in. Mm. Uh, so, so, uh, like a Dennis Rodman biopic he was supposed to star in. And they they dropped him from that. I think I just saw that in my newsfeed either either this morning or yesterday, where they were like he got dropped from that as well. Like he had a movie that was supposed to come out on um I don't know if it's supposed to come out on Disney or one of the other channels, and then they um they they shelved it mm-hmm. like they're not going to put it out. Like he's taking an acid bath over this, and you would figure the last thing. I mean, I mean, after the R. Kelly thing, that interview that he had. With, with Gail King, mm-hmm. you would think that everybody's mode would just be, you know what? I went Megan good. You know, she's doing good, pun intended. Let's just lay low, ride this out. Someone else is going to fuck up. And then I could just slide in on the back end and then see if I could salvage my career. No, mm-hmm. this motherfucker wants to go out there and do dumbass interviews and invoke icons and compare people. I, like, that goes to show, though, like some people just want to be famous. Like some people don't necessarily want to be paid. They just want to be famous. But what's crazy to me, though, is I kind of wonder like how intentional this is because. OK, so like randomly I watched like two videos. It was the same guy, quote unquote, interviewing the people. But um, he asked them, he was like for for a dollar he was kind of making it like a what's what's my man billy on the street a billy on the street moment and he 
went up to two different white people. One was younger, one was an older man. And he was like, for a dollar, name three black people. Do you know both of these people said Martin Luther King? And so that had that had me thinking like, wow, like iconic black people, I could just spit off the top of my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I just thought it was funny that they picked Martin Luther King. I'm, I'm not going to give Jonathan Majors the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, I don't think he's that smart to do this, but I was like, well, maybe for a second, maybe he's talking to white people whose only frame of reference of black people is Martin Luther King. So I could talk <laughs> Because, like, they struggled to name two other people. They 100% did. I was surprised they didn't say George Washington Carver because of all the book reports they had to do for Black History Month when we were Look, they Nope, they couldn't pull that name out the archives. Um, it was just MLK. That was their, cl- their clincher, their closer. And I was like, wow, okay. Because he was like, yeah, they could be dead or alive. And so, yeah. MLK was their go-to guy. Um, it makes me wonder too. I'm like, well, why didn't you pick Malcolm X? Because <laughs> that to me, like, I'm just like, mm. does he want to get beat up? <laughs> Still black. He ain't want. He ain't want Nation of Islam coming after him for invoking Malcolm X and his nonsense. Well, Jonathan Majors did respond to Dr. Bernice King, um, where she she essentially told him, "My mother was not a prop." She was a peace advocate before she met my father and was instrumental in him speaking out against the Vietnam War. Please understand my mama was a force. Here's what I wrote about her a few years ago. And then she sent a link to an article. Um, and basically he responded and said, you know, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean no harm. I didn't mean no disrespect. That was his final response. So yeah. At least he kept that part simple and didn't go into a whole goofy ass explanation he just like he was like my bad my bad and then just left it alone that's like the smartest thing he's done in the last three months so yeah i'll I'll put it like this they were just like uh as far as the mcu goes you know they were like should they uh go with uh with dr doom i'm like no just get it get a different kang like maybe Like just make peace with um what's his name? The dude that was in the Star Wars movies. Oh, I can't I can see his face in my mind. I can't think of his name. The guy from Attack the Block. Um John Boyega. Make peace mm-hmm. with him and let him be Kang. And then just keep it moving. You know. Yeah. But I mean we'll see. we'll see how they navigate this and who they cast going forward. I'm definitely glad that um what was that show that everybody used to like on HBO that Jonathan Majors was in and Journey Smollett? Oh, uh, Lovecraft Country. Yes, Lovecraft Country. It definitely makes me glad that that's not ongoing because if they would have had to cancel like that in the middle of this, I would be so pissed. I thought they would get at least another couple seasons out of it. And they they were just one and done. I'm just like, that sucks. It was actually a really good show. It was. It was. Um, Okay, so the last thing uh, I want to talk about is this article I sent you. I don't know if you looked at the pants um, that I sent you. I sent it on Instagram. It's like a little clip. Um, But, you know, 
2023 has been a year of podcasts and a lot of people have microphones. Not everybody needs a microphone, but a lot of people have microphones. Um, yeah, it looks like Carisha Please's podcast will probably be canceled now. Um, but anywho, Cameron and Mace reunited. They have a podcast together. Some of the stuff is funny. Um, some of it, I'm just like, this is not for me. Um, and of course, Joe Budden has a podcast. Now, one of his panelists, or one of his like co-hosts, I should say, I guess, is Melissa Ford. And Melissa Ford, some weeks ago, said, talked about like a party, like some sort of industry party after after Cameron and Mace told a story about being underage themselves at an industry party. And that's a key detail, actually. Um, they went to some industry party and were having sex with hookers. Oh, boy. Um, so, like, for me, that's why I was like, wait, so they're victims. <laughs> like, period. Like, they're underage. They're 16, 17 years old having sex with sex workers like that's crazy like consensual or not like that's they're they're still underage like they're still children right so i'm like damn that's fucked up that would have been if i was gonna say anything about that um that's what i would have i would have said i've been like i'm sorry that that happened to y'all because it you know it probably did fuck with like your view of sex you know and it shouldn't Anyway, that wasn't Melissa Ford's takeaway. Um, instead, she decided to insinuate that there might have been other underage girls there too. And that Cameron and Mace might have been raping people. Like basically she accused them of rape Ooh. or at least statutory rape. And um, Cameron did not take con to, kindly to that at all. Um, he was like, fuck your apology because Melissa immediately apologized, but Cameron was like, nope, fuck that. It's, we beefing forever. Like, fuck you. And so, you know, if you if you don't recall too, Melissa Ford was like the it girl of 90s videos, 90s music videos. Um, but yeah, Cameron did not take too kindly to that at all, which, which I don't blame him. Um, but he decided to put her face on his crotch, like the crotch of his pants. So that's in the clip that I sent you. If you just Google camera on pants, I'm sure it'll come up. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like I see both sides of it. I don't think I, I could see like she's like, well, I apologize. But like once you put something like that out there and I did see Cameron's interview and he's not wrong for for saying this or feeling this way, but he had an interview with um the basketball players, um, the light skinned one that drove all the way from like to another state to beat his like ex's husband up or something, and um, Matt Barnes, and the other one is from Texas. I I never remember his name, but I always know his face. He's retired as well. Um, he was on their podcast. And he was just like, yeah, like, 
once it's out there, it's out there, you know, like, and you don't get a chance. You don't get, you don't have the right to tell me how to respond to the disrespect. So fuck her. That's, that's what Cameron's takeaway is. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm like, Cat Williams and really <sighs> kick the door open in 2024, but he kicked it open so everybody else can walk right on through. I mean, when you're talking about stuff like, uh, like, like rape and stuff like that, there is, there is no, oh, I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. They they had this beef between um Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel, and you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like Jimmy Kimmel because you know Aaron Rodgers is an anti-vaxer, you know, especially during COVID, that was a dangerous thing to be. So of course he was the butt of some of, of Jimmy Kimmel's jokes, and Aaron Rodgers was on some podcast from yeah. For some- I saw that. Yeah, and then and he mentioned about the uh, about him being involved with that uh, with Jeffrey Epstein, and yeah, that that's in this day and age with all these Looney Tunes running around with guns, and you're gonna mention that he's involved with Jeffrey Epstein, which he's which he's not, you know, not even close. But for Aaron Rodgers to put that out there like that, yeah, that's not good. I mean, this is in this day and age. Unfortunately, there's a lot of unhinged people. And it's way too easy to get guns. You remember the whole thing with that guy who rolled up on that pizzeria because he thought that Hillary Clinton had like a child mm-hmm. trafficking ring there, that mm-hmm. comet ping pong in, in DC. And dude walked in there with that AR-15, started shooting up the place. So it's uh yeah, I I I it's I agree with Cameron in one respect. I can't really tell him how to res, how to respond to disrespect like that. So I mean, wearing her uh, his I'm gonna say wearing her uh, her face on his jeans on the front of his jeans. Maybe that's a little bit too uh, too out there, but I'm not gonna say I'm not, I'm not gonna say he needs to forgive or anything like that. That's you do that in your own time, but. The jeans things just make you seem a little goofy. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have went that route. <laughs> I saw a picture of him just now, and he's just like, you know, like, hey, look at me. I got this chick on my front of my jeans. I'm like, oh, you like a you look like a goofball. But probably doing some goofy shit too. Like, you know how like kids do that motion when they mean to say suck my penis? Mm-hmm. He's probably doing that, that motion too. I'm just like, why? Like, dude, just like, I mean, yeah, well, there I go. I, I'm about to break my own rule. I'm about to say, let it go, you know, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have went the jeans route. A little too far. Okay. A little bit too far. Forgiveness is optional. The jeans I wouldn't have done. <laughs> and that's, that's all I got. All right. I, I, I will say this, Odie. At any point in time, because you know how I get when I talk about the subject of Joe Biden, I go off on a tangent. So if you need to jump in and say something, just please feel free to cut me off and say something. But uh, let me get this. I thought I had this already pulled up here. But I pulled up uh, Joe Biden's uh, his uh, his polling numbers. Right. You figure. Uh, this is from Real Clear Politics. And Real Clear Politics, for those who don't know, it's kind of like the uh, the whatchamacallit, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes of polling. So they take all the polls and then they give you like an average, right? Mm-hmm. 
So you figure the, the RCP average, the Real Clear Politics average, this is between December 10th and November and January 11th, right? His Joe Biden's approval rating is 40.1. His disapproval is 56.8. That is absolutely brutal, right? And you figure we are, what, 10 months away from the election? So the Democrats are playing a dangerous, dangerous game. They're thinking that if the Republicans are horrible enough, that they don't have to do anything, and then they could just be like, oh, well, this is the most important election of our lifetime. And then the Republicans are going to take us into fascism, and you got to vote Democrat. I, I got on Substack recently. I, I paid the five bucks a month to get on uh, Robert Reich's uh, Substack, and I may even write a couple of articles for Substack if they let me, right? You know, just short things. Okay. But but I mean, there are a lot of people who are just on this whole, they didn't learn anything from 2016. You know, like I have a friend of mine, and this just popped up on my Facebook feed, and I had a, a, a meme where somebody's looking at a shooting star, like, oh, cool, a shooting star. You know, you wish on a shooting star. And he goes, I wish my salary raises would be higher than inflation. And then you see the star turn around and go the other way. You have to say, yeah, yeah I'm not touching that, right? But a couple of my friends got a good laugh at it. But I have a friend of mine. He, he is always quick with the charts and graphs, right? And to me, I mean, and he he's a really good dude. I'm not ragging on him, right? But he just... He just posted a couple of charts and graphs about how, you know, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it, it is higher for 80 percent of U.S. workers and have been for a bit. And I'm like, not this worker. <laughs> I, I mean, you're in a whole different industry, my friend, because in my industry, uh, it ain't no raise going past inflation. OK, because I don't know where yeah. these, I don't know where these numbers come from. I don't know if you live in Pleasantville, but I live in the real world. In the real world, we're getting our fucking asses kicked. Um, you figure it like this, right? I'm pretty sure some people are doing good. And and I and all sarcasm aside, I'm happy for those people. But if all the people who are around me are struggling, and some are even saying I may not even be able to retire in the next 10 years. And then you're gonna you think you're gonna show me a chart or a graph, and I'm gonna be like, well, I guess things are good. I'm gonna turn that frown upside down. Get the fuck out of here with that ridiculous nonsense. You can't tell me that my reality isn't what it is because you posted mm -hmm. a chart. That's fucking stupid. Right. And that's what the, and that's what these people do all day. They just post charts and graphs, and they're like, well, you know what? What you know is wrong. Because this chart says so. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. That's not going to win you an election. So you're going to tell somebody that lost their child tax credits, somebody who can't afford to buy a house, can't afford rent, can't afford food. You're going like, to do you even know how the rent thing works, guys. Like you have to have three times the amount of rent before they'll even approve you. Yeah. You know, so I, if the average person is making, you know, 
$40,000, maybe. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being generous there. Mm -hmm. But if the average person is making like 40 grand, you like, no, like, so three times that or a third of that amount is like rent for 13,000. Yeah. Now, a, a, a third is almost be because the thing is, you're supposed to only be spending a third on um on rent, and for a lot of people, it's half, like half their so, yeah. So basically, that would be a thousand eleven eleven a month in rent. Yeah. So where are these people finding a four like eleven eleven is like for a damn apartment with no bedrooms. Yeah. Basically. So you just expect people to live in studio apartments with their families? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. People yeah. are so out of touch. They they they're they're suffocating in their bubbles, you know. They they live in they live literally on, on another in another world where everything's just gonna work out fine if you just concentrate on it. And they're overestimating the midterm wins from the last couple of elections. The midterm wins came because of abortion, right? Because a lot of people, because the Republicans are just off the rails and people have been showing out to fight for their abortion rights. But here's the thing, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, right? Obama had a chance back in, 20, back in 2010 when he had a supermajority to have abortion coded into law, right? Bill was already out there. All they, had, all they had to do was tell Congress, yo, put this bill up for a vote. Let's vote this in and let's get abortion codified in the law. And the reason why I'm picking on Obama for that is because when he was running for president, he was at a, a rally at Planned Parenthood and he told them that, yes, when he's president, he would push Congress to have it uh you know, bring that bill back up because the bill was already out there, have it coded in the law. He didn't do it. And then in 2010, when they asked him about it, you know what he said? That's not that big a deal. You know, it, it'll work itself out. Now, here's the thing. Did Obama know that Scalia was going to die? Did he know that Mitch McConnell was going to steal his Supreme Court pick? Did he know that all this other stuff was going to happen, right? Uh, Hillary losing the election. Um, Anthony Kennedy being forced to retire, who's usually the swing vote, forcing him to retire and replacing him with that beer belching frat boy piece of shit, Brett Kavanaugh. Did we know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going to die and be replaced by Amy Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Barrett, that religious nutbag? And then they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade, even though they lied to all these senators and said that it was that Roe v. Wade was established law and it'll mess with established law. And then he went back and overturned it anyway. Did Obama know all that was going to happen when back in 2010, he said it's not that big a deal? No, no way he could have known that. But it doesn't fucking matter because he fucking said he was going to do it and he didn't fucking do it. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. When these people say something and then they just either don't do it or they fold like lawn chairs. The public option, right? Obama said, I'm not passing it, the Obamacare without a public option. And then he folded like a lawn chair and then took out the public option. And now people can't afford health care. Joe Biden said, hey, 
you know, the we're going to leave these bills coupled together. So if you want your infrastructure bill for these uh, construction companies, you know, you're going to have to give the people what they want on this Build Back Better bill. And what happened? He folded like a lawn chair, him and Nancy Pelosi both. And then they they decoupled them. Uh, infrastructure bill passed. Build Back Better died in the Senate. And then they replaced it with a watered-down bill where like 90% of the stuff that we were supposed to get, child tax credits, uh, universal daycare, all types of great stuff, never saw the light of day. And every time I'm on the forums, either on Blue Sky or um, Substack or Threads, and I mention um, Build Back Better not passing, these fucking Renfields are out there like, oh, it did pass. It was the American Rescue Plan. It's First of all, by the virtue that they're called two different things, it didn't fucking pass, you piece of shit. Second of all, um, the Lever had an excellent article about it, and they had a comparison, right, of Build Back Better and American Rescue Plan. And all you see is just a string of zeros. All the stuff that was supposed to get billions of dollars put into it that then just became zero. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Joe Biden has failed. Yes, the economy is doing good for some people. The stock market is doing good for some people. That's great for those people. Everybody else is taking a fucking acid bath and your charts and your graphs are not going to move me. Even Obama is concerned and he's trying to have his people um, talk to Biden's people to change his strategy. Because his strategy is going back to, oh, Donald Trump, orange man, bad. Did that work for Hillary? Nope. As soon as Hillary Clinton got involved and said, started giving out advice, I was like, Hillary, if you don't shut the fuck up, like, why would we listen to you when you lost to the worst politician since Boss Hogg from Dukes of Hazard? Like, why would why would we listen to you for anything at all? You suck. Hey, if anything, now is not a good time to remind us that that yeah. you even affiliated with these people. Basically. Young Turks talked about it. Uh, I was watching it this morning, and they brought up an excellent point. During the pandemic, Joe Biden had a reason to not go out there and, and, uh, and, and talk because of the pandemic. So he's not going to hold public rallies during the pandemic. That makes sense. Now there's no pandemic. So why isn't he out there? He he gave like one speech and everybody was like, oh, oh, he's so he he's definitely the president. Yeah, we know he's the president. Does he know he's the president? Because he's just basically just being a cheerleader for Israel while they while they murder children every day. That's another matter altogether. But I mean, between Biden fucking people over with student loans, fucking people over with Child, uh, child tax credits and all the other stuff, voting rights, all the stuff that he didn't fight for, and then cheerleading Israel as they murder children. So he's underwater with black people, Hispanics, young people, Arab Americans, underwater with all of them, right? He's not underwater with black people, but he is uh, maybe down to like 60%. Whereas other presidents will be at like 85 to 90% with mm -hmm. black people. He's down to 60. And you think this motherfucker is going to win? 
Who do you think he is, Rocky Balboa? No, he's not going to win. It doesn't help that, like, it's always the, it's usually the cooler person that, that wins. And as much as I cannot stand anything about Donald Trump, that motherfucker is funny as fuck. And one thing black people like to do is have a good kiki. Um, yeah, he, he's he don't know how many people will vote for him at the expense of, uh, of the real, but <laughs> I'm just saying like dude is definitely funny um, what's his name oh my gosh I just it's something Gill I think it's Dean Gill um, he was basically talking about these types of stats um And how, like, you know, Trump has gained more favor um, amongst, like, young people and Black people. So, but he was just like, you know what's going to happen, though. He's definitely going to, even if he does fuck around and get voted back in there, what, like, he's probably going to say, oh, okay, I'll just stay for another term. You know, like, he's never going to want to get out. This guy looks up to Putin and other politicians who decide to do permanent stays, basically. Yeah. I mean, he already has a plan in place on how he's going to be a, a, a dictator. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what the Biden team is banking on, that people will see how off the rails Donald Trump is, and then they'll have no choice but to vote for Joe Biden. But the problem is, is that they don't want to vote for Joe Biden, so there's always another option. That option is don't vote at all, mm-hmm. and that and that's real. That's going to hurt Biden hurt. more than it's going to hurt Trump because Trump's people are there until the end. They're not going anywhere. Trump's not going to lose a single vote. Every last son of a bitch that voted for him in twenty in twenty sixteen and twenty twenty are going to vote for him in twenty twenty four. As a matter of fact. If you look at Trump's vote totals, he got more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. Only only thing is that Joe Biden still had like 7 million more votes than Trump. But the one out of all the lies that Donald Trump ever told, the one thing he said that was true is that Donald Trump did get the most votes out of any sitting president. Now, it just happened that his opponent had more votes. But remember one thing, um, Donald Trump lost the popular vote by about 7 million votes, but we don't go by popular vote. We go by electoral college and the electoral college with all those swing states, all the swing states combined, Biden only won by about 50,000 votes. That's why they, that's why it took so long for the results because they had to do all those recounts because they were within the the, the range where they were like, okay, we got to do a recount. Mm, yeah, the margin why, of error is too small. Yeah, that's why that's why the the election took so long. So all these people who keep saying, "Well, you know, like uh, Biden won by seven million votes," like just just read a fucking book, for the love of God. We don't go by popular vote because we went by popular vote, we wouldn't have George Bush. If we went by popular vote, we wouldn't have had, never had Donald Trump because Hillary won that election by three million votes. But we go by electoral college. And Hillary lost the electoral college. By a lot. 
because she sucks, which is what we were trying to tell them. And everybody was like, I'm with her. Oh, who are you with now? Fucking jackasses. But I mean, just the complacency and Obama can see the complacency from a mile away. And he's seeing 2016 all over again and he's trying to get through to Joe. And I'm just like, this is your fault, Obama, because you're the one who cleared the field for this fucking mummy. And now you're just now you're concerned. Ten months out, 10 months out from the election. It's not like Joe Biden just got these low numbers today. He's been having those numbers for like a year. Now you're concerned. Now you're like, oh, wow, you could lose. Yeah, we know. We know that, Barack. I guess he was too busy producing his fucking Netflix specials about nothing or whatever the fuck he's doing. Sucking Richard Branson's dick or some other billionaire. Fuck you, Obama, you jackass. I know I'm losing points with saying that, but Obama, <laughs> Obama is such, he's such a disappointment. He did what John Fetterman did, but more low key, like run as a progressive and then govern as a centrist. Mm-hmm. And John and John Fetterman just did a, a a wrestling heel turn. He was just like, "I'm not a progressive." I'm like, "Dude, all your all your campaign ads, you said you were a progressive. You made a, a logo and made it on purpose to look like Bernie Sanders' logo, just to say you were a progressive." So we can get you past your opponent. And then now all of a sudden that you get in, you're like, ha ha, I'm going to wrap myself in the Israeli flag. I'm like, he actually did that, by the way. He looked like a fucking jackass doing that. Walking around at a rally draped in the Israeli flag. Like first, uh, I'm like, ah, oh, you fucking, you fucking Frankenstein. I swear to fucking God. I, I hope he has his LinkedIn uh, account up to date because progressives do not forget we do not forget. And when your election comes around again, we don't give a fuck. We are not voting for you. So you better hope that APAC has your back because we won't, because we will not forget. Look what happened to, um, what's her name? Uh, Kristen Cinema. She had to leave the Democratic Party because she was looking at those polls and their, her polls were on the toilet. She was practically Green Party at one point. She did the same thing. She ran as a progressive. As soon as she got in, she was chasing the money. Mm. Voting against voting against Biden along with um with Joe Manchin and her polls were on the toilet. So I hope that John Fetterman enjoys his couple of years that he's gonna have left in the Senate because uh he's done next time around. Because progressives are not gonna forgive you at all. So I mean, you figure you have put it like this. The child tax credits expired. Build Back Better failed. People can't afford houses. They can't afford rent. Put To put it in perspective, a starter house in 2024 costs $400,000. You know how much a starter house costs in 1981? $80,000. I was going to say 60. Uh, about 80. Now, even adjusted for inflation, that's still $270,000 if you adjust that for inflation, you know? So you, you figure, you know what's funny? People always crack uh, talk about, you remember a movie Home Alone with mm-hmm. uh, McCall Culkin? Yeah. And somebody had a meme about this and they were they were mad at that movie because they know that that dude and, um, and the father in Home Alone 
only paid like 200 grand for that giant house. <laughs> that house was like a practical mansion. He probably only paid like 200 grand for it. Now a starter house, like a, a, a three bedroom starter house costs 400 grand. Easily. You figure homelessness jumped 12%. That is huge. And you think you're going to post a chart or a graph and I'm going to be like, huh, I guess I, I, I guess I don't know my own life after all. Fuck you. We're not doing that. Like, hmm, I must be doing something wrong. Well, here's the thing about that, Odie. If, if all my friends and if everybody was doing good, right, and right. I'm doing then I'm like, well, I'm definitely doing something wrong. I need to reevaluate my life. Everybody around me is doing bad. And then... Like, you, think, you know how many people, like, have uh, decided not to have children because it's too expensive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where you have to wait longer to have children? They're not trying to bring children in the world to starve. You know? And I... I, I th these people just don't get it. You know who gets it? Gen Z. They get it. My nephew just graduated from college. I, I got to go to uh, Appalachian State. It's like it's about it's about a three hour drive in into the mountains, and uh, never really been to the mountains. It's nice, you know. Yeah, you, it's nice up there. You look out in the landscape, and there's just a giant mountain range right there. <laughs> I should have taken more pictures of the mountains. I really should have, but. You know, he uh, he graduated. He's going to be a he's a music teacher, you know, and. Um, of course, you know, he's uh, he, he's Gen Z. I will say I'm, I'm Gen X. My like day by day, my generation is becoming more and more annoying because we glorify things that happened when we were younger. But stuff that happened when we were younger was just fucking stupid. Right. They were, you know, people were just like, oh, you know what? These kids are too sensitive. They can't take a joke. They can't do this. They can't do that. You know what? We, like, all these kids are so soft. We play tackle football with no pads and we rode bikes with no helmets. Yeah, great. You're 48 years old. You can't remember shit. And now you need a hip replacement. Mm -hmm. So what the fuck are you talking about? You know what? Granted, this was from the 50s, Right. So definitely not in my generation, but there was a, I, it caught my eye and I had, I had to bring it up. This is, this is called the, the Gilbert U or the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab. The U stands for uranium. Okay. The Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab was an actual radioactive toy and learning set sold in the early fifties. Um, it came with four samples of uranium, of uranium-bearing ores, as well as a Geiger counter and various other tools. They sold these kids radioactive isotopes. And the worst part was, Odie, this thing cost $49.50. I had to look oh, it up. That's expensive. Like, it's, adjusted for inflation? Adjusted for inflation, that's like $675. That's crazy. So you're gonna you're gonna pay six hundred and seventy five dollars to poison your children <laughs> with with fucking uranium. I mean, we yeah we did all that dumb shit. We played with BB guns and you know we 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 rode bikes and we jumped curbs and threw rocks at hornets' nests and 
all types of dumb shit. Did it make us like better? No. We're lucky to be alive. Okay. So I, I see a kid riding a bike and he has a helmet. And I'm like, oh, he's got good parents. Because uh yeah. It's just the way it is. Like my generation just loves glorifying the dumbest shit. And we just we're just happy to do it. And the thing that they glorify the most is the hustle and the grind. Working mm -hmm. hard. Oh, you gotta go out there and you gotta work hard. You gotta work, 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 work. My dad had a friend, his name is Oliver. He passed away some years ago. And my, you know, he, he and my dad were good friends. My dad, you know, he he he, he misses him. But he, but one of the things that he lamented about about how hard Oliver worked and didn't live long enough to enjoy the fruits of his labor, right? And the thing is, back then you actually got fruits of your labor because they had actual pensions, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was a reward at the end of it all. My dad has an actual pension. I don't have an actual pension. I have 401k. So now I get to, I get to figure out, hey, what's the best type of cat food that I can get? Which oh, fancy, like, up this month. I'll, I'll, I'll be getting coupons for Fancy Feast. <laughs> Maybe if I'm lucky, I can save up my coins and buy a can of tuna for some dumb shit. Like it's 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 bleak, you know. But Gen Z gets it. So there was an article in Business Insider that caught my eye. I think I posted it on Facebook. But uh, hold on here. Oh, luckily I have the link right here. I hate when I close it. I hate when I close the wrong tabs. I have like 17 tabs open. But it says Gen Zers won't even apply to a job if the salary isn't listed. Yeah, because why waste your time and money? Yeah. And, and 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 one of the bullet points pretty much summed it up. It said that Gen Zers value transparency and are generally more open to having salary discussions than previous generations. Mm -hmm. Both people just like, oh, the job, oh, you know, they're just happy to get the job. They don't care how much. Yeah, you can do that when, you know, grocery runs don't cost you $200. Yeah. You can do that. I, I joked to my dad this morning about hey, like. Can, can, speaking of. um. I was just going to say real quick, mm -hmm. speaking of um, Home Alone, shit, we see Kevin go in the store and he paid like 20-something dollars for like all this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening anymore. I I, I I was talking to my dad this morning and I was telling him, because he was talking about how much food costs now. I said, I remember when we were kids, mom would go to the supermarket. My mom had like a, a, a big blue custom van and she'd go to the supermarket and spend like 200 bucks and the entire back of the van be filled with grocery yep. and like yep. all the kids got to come trips. Out and, and, and trips. yeah arm loads of groceries multiple trips to bring all that stuff in the house and dad was like uh, like 200 oh it was less than that for that van load of groceries it, you know and now it's like and then now i'm like telling my dad like i have i spend like 40 dollars worth of groceries and, and i can actually carry them home mm-hmm you know, I could I could carry him a half mile to the, the house. Paper bag. Yeah. So it's 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 preposterous out here. And Gen Zers, they get it. They're they see the boomers out here 
getting their asses kicked now. I mean, I mean, yeah, there are some boomers who made it out just great. But here's the thing. You want to know the fastest growing work demographic in the country right now? Workers over 70. Mm, mm, mm. Because their cost of living is outpacing their pensions. So now they got to go back to work at 70. Could you imagine being 70 years old and wrangling carts in the supermarket or doing data entry with your arthritic fingers? You know what I mean? Like that's, it, it's it's an insult. Social security was created to lift seniors out of poverty because that's one of the things that FDR was like, you know, he's seen all these seniors going into poverty and that's why social security was created. And it lifted millions of seniors out of out of poverty, but they keep fucking with Social Security, and now it's not enough. If they lifted the cap on Social Security, right, on who gets to pay into it, because rich people don't pay into it, but if they lifted that cap, Social Security would be solvent forever. But, you know, I I, I can't call it. These people are just out of their minds. But Gen Z gets it. They're not out there trying to, you know. And there was one dude on TikTok talking about it today. Is like, you know, one of the but one of the side effects of it though is that Gen Zers feel uh they feel hopeless because now they're starting to get into their early 20s. Yeah. Early to mid 20s. And they're looking at the landscape and they're like, there's nothing out here. You know, unless you were born rich, you're fucked. Yeah, pretty so much. So you think they're going to go out there and bust their ass for what? So so some guy can fill his swimming pool with champagne or 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 coat his car in platinum because he's bored? Fuck that. He's like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to go home and that's it. I'm not busting my ass for you. They get it. And I'm glad that they get it. You know? So all, all these like all these people like Business Insider, all these all, all these magazines with their stupid ass nonsense. I'm like, please leave these kids alone, man. We, we've already taken everything from them. Let them let them live their lives. Mm-hmm. These Macs, they're not buying into the system anymore. Yep, exactly. You know, I mean, my generation was sold the bill of goods and, 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 and we're still buying because we we retire in about 10, 12 years, and it's going to be a cold world out there. It really is. So, but I, I did want to end on more of a, a happy note. Well, not well, maybe not happy, just not so grim. Uh, everybody's favorite superstar, Taylor Swift. Uh, she was at a uh, she was at the Golden Globes. And it was kind of like a double whammy, not in a bad way. You know, she's been dating him. We talked about a few weeks ago, and actually a few months ago on the show. Yeah. She's dating uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and, of course, the Kansas City's back in the playoffs, so she'll be at that playoff game. Now, they play on the road against – no, 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 they do play at home. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bear with me here. Yeah, you ain't going to have me lying because I don't pay attention. I don't know. So I know they, I know they play Miami. I think that. So let me see. Are they playing in Kansas City or are they playing in Miami? 
I think they're playing in. I want to say they're playing in. Wait, oh, here it is at Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Miami's, you know, of course, they're, they're in Florida and it's going to, it's supposed to be like below zero in Kansas City this weekend because they, they play, uh, when do they play? Kansas City. Oh, they play tonight. They're, they're the eight o'clock game. So we'll we'll see what happens. But of course, you know, Taylor Swift is going to be there. And they were at the Golden Globes and Joe Coy, comedian who was doing the, uh, the monologue, he told a joke and Taylor Swift did not laugh. She, she just mean mugged him the entire time. I wouldn't say she mean mugged him. That's not fair. But she, she was just. She just didn't crack a smile. But it was yeah. wild to me because I'm like, girl, it's a joke. Like, bro, it's, it's a joke. Like calm your ass down, man. Yeah. It, it was it was such such a tepid joke. It wasn't even just yeah. It wasn't that. all he said was like the only difference between us and the golden or us and the the football games is that you know Taylor Swift is gonna get less camera time here or something to that effect. Yeah, That's yeah. And I was like okay, like I I thought it was weird that he like immediately apologized, um, as if he said something he wasn't supposed to say, but. I thought that was weird. Well, maybe he thought, or maybe he thought Travis Kelsey was going to storm the stage and slap him in the face. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I mean, and then the Swifties got mad because Taylor Swift was up for a Golden Globe for box uh, box office achievement. And she was up, they were up against the Barbie movie. And I know, I, I figure it like this. I imagine if they have like a box office achievement award, it doesn't necessarily always go to the the film that made the most money. But Jesus Christ, the Barbie movie made one point four billion dollars. Billion with a B. You know, uh, recently I saw like a little clip where Meryl Streep was like, "The Barbie movie saved our asses. Like it saved the movie theater experience." Yeah. Oh yeah. Like people really showed up and showed out for that movie. And, and I like I said, that was a movie I didn't expect to want to watch. I I didn't think I would enjoy it. But the marketing was done so well and people kept talking about how good it was. So yeah, like word of mouth went really, really far. But it was a it was a really good movie. Did you watch it yet? Not yet. Uh, but but I, I I will watch it because it there was one part where they were having the Barbie party, and I guess um, Margot Robbie's character, I guess she was feeling whatever her uh, her human counterpart was feeling. I'm guessing that's how it goes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. And they're having the little Barbie party, and then out of nowhere, she just, and I think this is from, from one of the trailers, and then she was like, hey, do you guys ever think about death? <laughs> and everybody was like, oh. <laughs> but... I, I gotta tell you, it, it was there was I, I read this years ago when I when I was back in school, but they were talking about like weird synergies and uh how they use like the data that they get from all their uh receipts to make certain decisions. And they noticed that in, in one of these stores, they noticed that um because they had an end cap with beer and diapers. And it was really helping them sell beer and diapers. They had them like on the end caps right next to each other. And when they were looking at their receipts, they were just like, they were noticing that a lot of 
guys who come in to buy uh, diapers for their kid, they'll just stop and grab a six pack of beer. So they just put them on the end caps next to each other. And then they were selling like hotcakes. So with the Barbie movie, it was like a weird dichotomy, like a, not, not, not dichotomy, that's not the word, but it's a weird synergy because you had that, for a while they called it uh, Barbenheimer, because you had the Barbie movie mm-hmm. and you had Oppenheimer, which is a polar opposite movie, you yeah, know? That's about hopelessness. Yeah, about the guy who invented the atomic bomb for Christ. I still didn't even watch that movie, by the way. Is it is it on a streaming service now? I'm I'm not sure. Okay. It should be close to there though. Cause I mean you figure it should be on streaming by now, but uh it'd be. I mean if it was in the same if it was in Barbie at the same time, yeah. Yeah. But I mean you figure that movie made it, it was it was a phenomenon. Like you had people like going to the theaters dressed up like Ken and Barbie and taking pictures and they had like the little Barbie frames and stuff like that. People People were having a blast. And then you had people like, uh, and, you know, the Swifties were mad that uh, Barbie beat out Taylor Swift's concert movie. And I'm just like, calm like calm down, ladies, for the, for the love of God. But Taylor gets a lot of heat that she doesn't deserve. Like, I thought it was funny. Here's the thing, right? Speaking of Margot Robbie, you're right. I like Margot Robbie. I think she's a great actress, and I think that she's I think that she's very attractive. Taylor Swift, not really on my radar as far as like celebrities who I think are attractive, but she is very attractive. She just doesn't for to be to be crude and crass, she just doesn't do it for me, but she's definitely attractive. And they had these right-wing scumbags who are mad that Taylor Swift is using her platform to inspire young women to go vote. And she's putting links in her website for young girls to go out and register to vote. Mm-hmm. And they don't like that. And they had a bunch of these basement dwelling troglodytes sitting in there doing their uh, podcast the room probably smells like taco meat and hot dog farts. And they're just sitting there talking about, you know, and, and Taylor Swift is so ugly. Like, no, she's fucking not. What are you talking about? Mm-mm. Like, these dudes sitting there looking like day old dog shit talking about Taylor Swift is ugly. Like, fuck you, you fucking incels. Like, they can't just, I don't know. I, I can't I can't speak on these people. But I'm going to try. Their first reaction is to call somebody ugly because they don't agree with their politics. You know, they had a clip of Taylor Swift it was from years ago, yeah, and I, 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 don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why they taped it like that, but it was like I guess it was like her father trying to convince Taylor to not really talk about politics, and Taylor was saying like this was important to her, you know, and you know she has a platform she she needs to use it, you know, and. You had Jesse Waters. Oh, God. Like Fox News, they always find like somebody worse. Like they had Bill O'Reilly and then they had Tucker Carlson and now they have Jesse Waters. It's like like de-evolution. It's like watching a man turn into a monkey instead of a monkey turning into a man on the evolutionary scale. Like they just, like every host that they have just devolves into something lesser. 
But Jesse Waters was on there with some some asshole. I don't even know his name saying that Taylor Swift is like a government plant, like 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 a psyop or some shit like that. Mm just because she put a link on the website to get young to get young people to vote. I'm like what are you people doing? You know, it's it's fun like like I rag on the Swifties but they're just like I just like I rag on the Bayhive. I joked about it on Facebook. I'm like at least with 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 the Bayhive I don't know about these things unless I personally hear from somebody who's in the Bayhive. But when the Taylor Swift fans get mad, they write articles about it. And that's how I know about it. So I remember when Tool, one of my one of my favorite metal bands of all time, back in 2019, Taylor Swift had an album called Lover. And of course, it debuted at number one. And then Tool came out with Fear Inoculum. And that was their first album in 13 years. So of course, it took the number one spot and knocked Taylor Swift at a number one. Taylor Swift fans were so mad. They were writing all these articles about how all the Swifties were on social media. Who's tool? I'm like, there are there are other music acts out there. It's the Billboard charts. It's not the Taylor Swift charts. For the love of Jesus, you know. But I know sometimes the Swifties catch a bad rap because they do this all the time. They'll have like three people have an opinion. And then somebody will write an article about it and then just say, well, people are saying, and they only have like three examples. You know what I mean? Like they, so I do think that sometimes the Swifties get a bad rap because they're people who just have to write articles and then they'll just take like three or four people who have an opinion and make an article about it. But the Joe Coy thing I thought was actually, I mean, the joke was just like, it was just one of those. "Ah." But what made it a big deal? Because here's the thing. If Taylor Swift had at least smiled, and I'm not one of those guys that would be like, you know, like, oh, you need to smile, honey. You look you look pretty if you smile. I don't want to be one of these mad men 19, 1960s jackasses. But if she had at least cracked a smile or gave a little bit of a chuckle, it would have been, it would have been over. You know what I mean? Yeah, the fact, yeah exactly. The fact that she sat there so stone-faced that's what made it, you know, more than what it take was. Her people on them. Yeah, exactly. But before I turn over to you for your final thoughts, right? This is from a, a website called Futurism. Uh, yeah, Futurism.com. So researchers gave homeless people $750 per month and the results were incredible. This is an article from... Uh, just before Christmas, this came out, right? So bear with me here. There's going to be a little bit of reading here. So I want you to bear with me, okay? It says, um, let me let me skip some of the fluff. A recently published study from California seems like compelling evidence to the contrary. In 2022, a team of researchers from the University of Southern California working with the San Francisco-based nonprofit Miracle Messages studied the impact of giving $750 per month to 103 randomly selected homeless people in the San Francisco Bay Area and Los Angeles County for a year. For the first six months of the study period, the homeless participants spent most of their monthly stipend on food mm. at 36.6% of their total budget and in housing 
at 19.5%, transportation at 12.7%, clothing at 11.5%, and healthcare at 6.2%. And 13.6% of the monthly income was classified as other expenses. Okay. The researchers told the Los Angeles Times that just 2% from the monthly stipend went to drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes. And most of that tiny slice went to cigarettes. A minuscule proportion of that may shatter some stereotypes of the unhoused. I hear these Republican scumbags all the time talk about, oh, if you give them money, they're just going to smoke it all up on crack. You know, kind of forgetting that everybody on the streets is not just some drug addict, that there are people who are just down on their luck. You know, I, I see these videos all the time of people who have to live in their cars and then go wash up at the at the local IHOP and then go to work. You know, and they can't drive the car to work because all their belongings are in the car. So they got to jump on a bus, you know, and it's it's just people who are just down on their luck. Everybody on the streets is not just some mentally ill crack addict. You know, these are real people with real problems. And that 750 bucks that they were getting uh, per month for that year, I know was really helping them out. I know it kind of sucks that the study's over, but it may go a long way toward uh, given that data to just say, hey, this is something worthwhile to look into to help homeless people out. You know, so I'm glad they did this study and uh, I'm glad that I'm hopeful, hopefully, I mean, it won't turn the conservatives heads because they're already, they've already made up their mind, but California is pretty, uh, I wouldn't say that they're pretty progressive. They're pretty liberal, but yeah. I'm hoping that enough people see this study and then push it further to help people out. They did, they did a similar study as well, where they helped people. They just gave a stipend out to like struggling people. I don't I don't remember if it was like just women or just, you know, black people or whatever, but they they went ahead and gave the money and it was a stipend every month. And when they reported back at the end of like the five year study, like most of them had gone to gone back to school, gotten some sort of advanced degree. Um and gotten promotion so that they didn't need the stipend anymore because the idea was these people don't have to worry if they're hourly workers and if I'm an hourly worker and I know I can't afford for my check to be short I might go to work when I'm sick I might wow. neglect my own care like because the rent the bills don't stop so that's what they, you know, they were able to turn their lives around because it took away that that fear. And so for that, like I was like, yeah, like that study came out a, a couple of years ago, also out of California. I forgot. But it was like a it was localized though. So it was like a very specific city. Yeah. And and these studies are important because a lot of people have a lot of preconceived notions about homeless about the mentally ill about all types of stuff and i think these studies go a long way to breaking some of those stigmas and if it gets to the right people in in, uh, in office it could lead to some legislation that could really help people out you know i i think politics is a lot harder than it really should be you know they, they make it harder because these people are just serving their corporate masses instead of serving the people but if you're serving the people it's pretty it's it's pretty easy you know, it's not as hard as people make it out to be. 
I always joked if I had one more blazer, I'd be, I'd be, I'd probably run for office because I don't want people to be like, does this guy only have one blazer? And then concentrate on that instead of my politics. <laughs> I show up to every debate in the same blazer. <laughs> so, and before I turn it over to Odie for her final thought, uh, I did a TikTok recently about, uh, I, I'm doing this thing where I've been going through my, uh, my CD collection to all, you know, for all my, my promos and, you know, possibly rare CDs and stuff like that. And I talked about me and my brother and I talked about how when we were roommates, we had a whole bunch of CDs, like people were coming out, you know, he, my brother's very social. So we always had a lot of people over the house and they would like steal our CDs and just leave us the liner notes. And I remember I threw out a whole bunch of liner notes a few months back and it was two liner notes for Mary J. Blige's Share My World. And I had gotten one as a promo straight from Universal. And then I ended up buying another one to replace that one when it got stolen. That one got stolen too. And then between me and my brother, we had four copies of Mary J. Blige's My Life. And we don't have a single copy left. Wow. And it's, and it's funny because when I was going through the CD book, the liner note was there, but the CD had, was still was was missing. So I actually, and you can't see me, of course, but I'm holding them in my hand. Uh, and it's funny because Amazon, I think they still do the thing where, and that's how I listen to them uh, on Throwback Thursday, because uh, if you buy them, they still, I thought they discontinued that. But they told me like when I, uh, once I ordered it, like the order went through, they were like, you can go ahead and listen to them on, uh, on Amazon music. And yeah. I was like, I was like, okay. I mean, these are going to my CD book anyway, but I'm holding in my hand because I hadn't opened them yet because I had it on, uh, you know, on my uh, Amazon account, but Mary J. Blige is my life. And then Mary J. Blige is share my world. Yeah. Those are two really good albums. And um, for the pair, I only paid like, uh, about $24, but I don't have Prime anymore. So it was like seven bucks shipping and handling. Well, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, what was I about to say? Go to, oh, I was about to say, you know, you can't go to Best Buy and pick it up no more. They don't sell CDs. Yeah. I, I, I don't blame them. I mean, streaming has been really been taken over, but I, 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 pref I mean, at this point in time, I would just prefer to just have the CDs now. Yeah, it's just streaming sucks for the artist. It sucks. It it, it just sucks. I I started to write something about you know, how. Um. Oh, go ahead. I was thinking. Um, video killed the radio star, but yes. streaming streaming killed the CD star. It, it, it's always a cycle of murder <laughs> when it comes to these things. It's just, it's just a cycle of just people getting bumped off. You know, but I mean, you figure when they talked about Andre 3000, his album, and they was talking about how it uh, it in its first week, it outsold all these other albums, like from Nas and everybody else. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what Andre pushed like 60, 70, 80,000 that first week? Nope. 24,000 copies. Wow. I was like, huh. So how much did all these other people sell? Like Nas is like Magic 3 or whatever it was. 17,000 copies the first week. And I'm like, that seems horribly low. So I actually put it up to um, Bing Chat, right? 
and I said, give me the average first week sales between 1995 and 2023. And you figure back in the 90s, average first week sales were like 350 to 400,000. Mm-hmm. And I think about 2000 and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it got to a point where like in like 2002 or 2003 or something like that, every year it went down. So at the peak, it was like 420,000 average first week sales. And it went all the way down. Like as of 2023, average first week sales, like 60,000. And I think that's due with streaming. And, you know, the fact that if you buy 10 singles off an album, it counts as a sale, but it's like uh, between 1,500 and 2,000, uh, if if you're listening to it on ad-supported uh, stuff, I think I think they bumped the number up to like twenty five hundred or something like that mm. to count to count as one sale. So it's it's crazy, you know. And then the RIAA and Nielsen run things differently. So it's it's all it's all a big scam. Snoop Dogg talked about how he passed a billion streams. And they gave him a check for forty five thousand dollars, <laughs> you know. And I'm just like forty five thousand dollars. Get Jesus Christ, you know. Streaming is a scam, you know. I didn't want to end on a negative note, but I just thought that whole thing was. And then there's a dude named Ace Vane, and he makes these funny voiceover videos of like the Super Friends yeah. and stuff. Like that. And they would they had the one where they listened to the Andre 3000 album and uh they talk about how how hard it slaps and then uh Black Manta on the, on that thing said this album slaps harder than Joe Jackson at a daycare full of untalented children and I'm just like that's funny as hell <laughs> Odie what are your final thoughts final thoughts um yeah, during like our little hot topic segment, uh, we talked about comedians. We talked about uh, equity and pay, mm-hmm. especially for Black women. 2024, my eyes have been open to the fact that Oprah Winfrey is the motherfucking problem. Uh, I did enjoy The Color Purple, not going to lie, uh, which she produced, basically put her money behind. Um I'm not a fan of musicals, but I did enjoy some of the musical numbers. And Danielle Brooks was like my standout favorite in this as well. Um, But Oprah, my eyes are on you. I see you for exactly who you are, ma'am. You out here robbing these Black women, and I don't like that shit. Taraji spoke out during this press tour, talked about being underpaid. She talked about the conditions people were co-signing to and talking about the bad conditions on set um and of course Monique has backed her Vivica tried to act like she didn't know what the fuck Taraji was talking about which I'm just like back to what Kat said like we're not about to compare where there there can't be a comparison but whatever um yeah, I think I think Oprah's the problem. Yeah. I think Oprah's the problem. Like she's pinching her pennies 
and at the expense of black women. She didn't want to get them people car service. She didn't want to feed them properly. And so Oprah got my third eye on you. Just know. Nobody I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I always knew Oprah was a problem. That would be a lie. But it really opened my eyes, the whole thing during the, uh, the wildfires in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. her, where her and the rock were like trying to get people to donate and there was like but the especially oprah owns a whole shit ton of land in hawaii mm -hmm. like on, that, on that same island and i was just like you know it, you know what i stopped doing uh when you go to uh to like uh fast food restaurants or you go to uh like walmart and they're like, hey, you want to donate to charity? I'm like, you're a, you're a billion-dollar company. You donate to charity. I'm already buying your overpriced horse shit. Like, you donate. Donate in my name. I don't give a fuck. But I'm not... And not to mention, the way that that works is they're actually being reimbursed. So the company has already decided to donate, you know, $100,000 to whatever the cause is. Mm -hmm. But they're banking on us to reimburse them for that. That's yeah. how that works. And that's that shit is wild too. That's dirty, you know. You know, it, it's funny going back to Tarashi P. Henson. I remember, you know, when she was talking about that. And then you had uh what's her name? Vivica Fox chiming in, talking about like I never had those problems. And I was just like, shut the fuck up, Vivica. Jesus Christ. You know, it, it that'd be like somebody who has cancer and he walked away. Well, I never had cancer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Vivica. You know, that's why your ass got eaten in Sharknado too. Shut up. Nobody fucking cares. Like, you know, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of Taraji P. Henson. You know, I had to look her up. I was like, what's her net worth? And her net worth, if the internet's to be believed, about twelve million dollars, and that's a lot of money compared to me, to what I have, which is like next to nothing. But for someone who's been in Hollywood for as long as she has and, and been in so many great movies like Hidden Figures and stuff like that, 12 million is not a lot when you really think about it. For how long she's been in the business and all the work that she's done, it's not a lot of money. Mm -mm. You know, it's really not, especially with someone of her talents. You know, she was on um, Empire. She was on... Hidden figures, person of interest, you know, she was in a lot of stuff. And it's just, and, you know, a lot of people were, you know, it's why they, they try to make it so that people don't talk about their salaries because they don't want people, they don't want people to be like, huh, you know, they don't want people to figure it out. What was I watching? Oh, it was years ago. You remember a movie called Nine to Five with Dolly Parton and, and all them? Mm-hmm. And Dabney Coleman fired this woman because she was discussing her salary with somebody else. Mm. You know, which I don't think you could do nowadays. Mm. But I guess in the early in the early 80s, that was fine. But they people need to come out and tell their stories more so they could just be. I remember there was a, a and you know, me or me being a horror fan. There was a, a movie that came, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was like an ensemble cast of like horror legends, right? And, you know, like Lon Chaney Jr. and Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. And Bella Lugosi had kind of fallen on hard times, right? You know, he was fighting opioid addiction and everything. But um, 
the producers were trying to lowball Bella Lugosi. And once the other actors found out that they were trying to lowball him, they banded together and they were like, you need to pay this man what he's worth or else we walk. You know what I mean? Like they don't want people to know what's going on because then, then people will band together. You remember the whole thing with um uh, Friends, the cast of Friends, when they negotiated for new contracts. And it's funny that um, I'm trying to remember her real name, the, the woman that plays Phoebe. You know, on the show, she plays the the least intelligent one, but she was the one who orchestrated the whole thing. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, to get Lisa Michelle's high school reunion, I just can't yes. remember her name. Le- Lisa Kudrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the one who orchestrated the whole thing. You know, you just got to have that solidarity. You know. And um, I think people like Taraji P. Henson need to come out and tell their stories so that, you know, they can they can be paid what they're worth. And for Oprah to stop nickel and diming people. I'm sorry, Oprah, you don't have enough billions. You've got a nickel and dime people for car service. Come on, Oprah, do better. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we started taping. uh it was light out, and now I'm sitting in the dark. <laughs> I forgot to bring forgot to bring the remote control for my lamp with me, and I didn't want to stop talking. And I'm like, it's it's like pitch black now. Like winter is a weird time of year for that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because if if it was summer, it would still be like it would still feel like high noon, and now it feels like midnight. <laughs> but. Uh, if you haven't already, you can catch us anywhere we can catch podcasts, including Spotify and Apple. And uh, hopefully we will be back strong in 2024. So everybody, uh, take it easy and stay safe. Absolutely. See you later. <laughs>